0: God grant to each of you the simple joy of contentment in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear fellow Christians, those who live in rural areas of North Dakota are well aware of the epidemic that is sweeping our country in certain areas at least right now. It's not what you think. It's attic flies, box elder bugs. They're disgusting. And those who don't live in the country are sometimes immune from it. They don't even know it's happening. If you've never experienced such an infestation, which, by the way, is the price we're paying for in historically late hard freeze, it just think inch-deep dead flies on windowsills think of swarms of flies and box bugs inside and outside of every building and then you try to go in and they're all over the floor and you squish them into the into the decking and then you open the door and some are in some are in your hair and you're shooing and you're flinging. it is again disgusting they're sneaky little buggers they, they have a way of going through something it seems like the width of a human hair and slithering in and they find themselves inside and they're all happy and proud flying around because they believe they want to make their home there for the winter I watched some of these the other day I watched them, a whole swarm of them beating against the window stupidly, boom It sounded like the beginning of a hard rain. Those first raindrops. And over and over. Bang, 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 bang. bang, bang, And I thought, how stupid. They have no idea that if they could make it through that thing that they can't comprehend because they're just trying to get in. If they made it through there, what they can't comprehend is that there's insecticide on the inside of every one of those windows. To get in... Is to die and to subject themselves to misery. Assuming a fly in a box seller book can experience misery. And then it gradually dawned on me, I wonder if that's how God often sees us stupidly banging our heads in a futile attempt to gain something that, if we did attain it, would cause us misery frustration, and even eventually eternal destruction. With this scenario in mind, with this picture in mind, hear the words of our text for this morning. Supremely practical words of comfort instruction. Because our God doesn't just want us to be with him for all eternity in heaven. He does want that. But he also wants us to have a joyful contentment, an existence here that's marked by joy. And then enter that rest. And yet we make that so hard on ourselves. So hear his words found in the book of Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, beginning with the tenth verse. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income this is this also is vanity when goods increase they increase who eat them and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes sweet is the sleep of a laborer whether he eats little or much But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is God's word. Our God has preserved his word again, not just to deliver us after a miserable existence from this life to the next, but he's given us these practical words that we are to use for our comfort and encouragement to create that joy He wants to see in us every day of our lives, that God would give us all the blessings He wants us to have through the study of His Word this morning. So we pray. Sanctify us by your truth, O oh Lord. Your Word is truth. Amen. Many, perhaps most of you, have heard it before it bears repeating, because it needs to be repeated. Most of the hurts that we suffer in this world are self-imposed. Most of the frustrations that we experience of our, are of our own manufacture. We do it to ourselves. Now, just briefly, you know this is true in your life when you've imagined the worst. The one that I always go back to is as a parent, worrying that my children will come home after a night with their friends. And what did that benefit me in the end? It didn't prevent them from getting hurt, it just caused me restlessness until they did. It's a wonder that our God doesn't just give up on us, give up give us over to our own foolishness and all the anxiety and stress that we create for ourselves the problems that we manufacture and then we somehow wonder why this is happening to me have you ever thought wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be just so if we could get just a wise person who's been through this all to just periodically pull us aside and tell us the way it is. Someone who's been there, done that, and been through all this, and looking back with clarity, can just say, here's what I experienced, here's what you need to do, or the way you need to live, or here's the secret to life. Well, guess what? We have just such a person, and he just told us exactly that. His name is Solomon. And he was the ultimate in been there, done that guy. And he just gave us here the secret to a joyful, contented, happy existence. In addition to a couple of the Psalms, Solomon wrote two books of the Bible, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and the two combined to give us this timeless guide This sure certainness, not only verbally inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, it comes from a man who's experienced life. At this point in his life, it's believed that when Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, his life had mostly been lived. He was an elderly man. He'd gone from the horizon of his birth to near the horizon of his departure. So he had a whole world of experience to look back on. And in him we find a guy that had it all and at least for a time threw it all away. Now, if you know something about Solomon that may sound puzzling because unlike Job, we have no record that Solomon lost it all. He just continued his whole life to gain more and more and more. So how can we say in what sense did he lose it all. Because he lost, at least it seems for a time, the one thing that he had at one time possessed contentment. And when contentment was gone, his life was filled with misery. That sounds so unbelievable to the world. How could that be? He had, Solomon, as you know, had everything. Everything he wanted, he got. Wealth, power, wisdom, popularity. A a ridiculous number of wives and concubines, which doesn't seem like a blessing to me, but if Solomon wanted it, he got it. But he threw away the thing that made it all work. The thing that he had for a time, that contentment. Because you remember Solomon's story when he took over the throne from his father David. David, who had done all the heavy lifting and defeated all the enemies and gave to his son Solomon a full, complete kingdom that Solomon only enjoyed the increase thereof, gave it all to him. And God came to Solomon before he ascended to the throne and said, ask, what do you want? I'll give it to you, anything. And Solomon said, Give me wisdom that I may rule your great people. God said, Fantastic. I'm going to give you that wisdom beyond what anyone else on earth has ever had. And because you didn't ask for it, I'm going to give you all these other things too for which you did not ask. And Solomon slipped from that good place that he had enjoyed. But that's an oversimplified view of Solomon and his purpose for us, isn't it? Because everything connected with Solomon was recorded, preserved, delivered to us for our instruction. That's why the scriptures were preserved. That's why they were written. That's why they were delivered through all these thousands of years to us. Not just so that we might be entertained by this. not that we might just be sort of motivated or moved in some way to look at what happened to Solomon and sort of learn from it. It's so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. That means also avoiding the dangers that Solomon did not steer clear of. So in Solomon's first book, Proverbs, he outlined the path of wisdom. And it's more than just a collection of the wise sayings of the day. It is an outline of a path through life. If we follow that path, we'll have a good life. The book of Ecclesiastes that followed, in which our text is found, is Solomon's revelation of what happens if you don't listen to the first book. If you don't listen to his words in Proverbs... Ecclesiastes says, this is what you're going to get. This is what's going to happen. So what was it that he came up with? Why is this so critical for us? Why so universally important? Because every single person here has dreams and aspirations. Every single one. Now, as we get older... You know, when we're young, our dreams and aspirations are pointed way out there because life is stretching out and I'm never going to die and I'm going to play center field for the twins and I'm going to be a linebacker for somebody and I'm going to be a doctor or lawyer or I'm going to set the world on fire and all these dreams. As you get older, your vision sorts of drops and, and now that you've attained old age, you're just looking at getting out of bed in the morning. That's my dream for today. And that's all I can really expect. And if I get that, well, then I'll I'll see what's next. Breakfast sounds good. You get the point, but everyone still has dreams and aspirations, what we want. And around what do they usually revolve? Well, answer for yourself in your own mind. Don't say it out loud. We don't do that in the Lutheran church. But what is it that you're thinking of? What would you like? Oh, I'd love, I would love someday to retire to the mountains. I would love a cabin by a peaceful lake. I would love, have you ever thought how great it would be to have, to never have to worry about money? Well, we already have that. because God said, don't worry about it, I will. Just seek my kingdom. But have you ever thought how great it would be to have so much money that you could buy whatever you wanted? Or let's be more noble and pretend that, well, I just want unlimited funds because I would like to buy what my family and friends would want. I would love to fulfill their every need and desire. Wouldn't that be great? I'd like to be their God, actually, and give them whatever they ask for. What is your aspiration? Doesn't it often in your lesser moments revolve around stuff, getting, attaining? Boy, it'd be nice just to have enough money that I wouldn't have to worry about it. That, that, that just wouldn't be a factor in my life. And Solomon lived exactly that life. Exactly. We, I don't know that anyone here can even comprehend it. But God said, God said, I'll give you whatever else you want too, in addition to the wisdom for which you asked. Ecclesiastes is Solomon's revelation of what that's like. How could anything be less than supremely practical and valuable? His timeless advice, don't bother. Really, don't bother. It's not real. It has no substance. It's a vapor. It's a wisp. His word is vanity, meaning nothing. It's nothing. I spent my life in that. I got everything I desired. And now, as an old man looking back, it's nothing. It's not there. It's the carrot and stick that the the devil uses to lead you where he wants you to go. You remember all those wives and concubines? Every woman that he saw that he wanted, mine, mine, mine. And where did they lead him? into all of their pagan idolatry because his inquisitive mind, oh, I wonder what that's like. What's your faith belief, where you're from? Oh, really? Well, let's dabble in that for a bit. And it was Satan with that, oh, there's something, there's something more. And Solomon followed it stupidly into whatever or wherever it led him. And then finally, it appears in his old age, God brought him back in his grace and mercy to his senses. And you see that with so many of the elderly that are rich, that got things in life. You see what a mirage it is, how silly it is, because the world wants to believe that there is such a thing as getting there and achieving. And then the idea that once you've gotten there, There's happily ever after. And Solomon talked about that, didn't he? Yeah, you struggle, you toil, you put yourself through all this misery, and then you finally get there, and then what? You die. You die. And what do you leave with? Just what you came with nothing. It's vanity, it's worthless. Solomon begins our text with this simple summary He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Isn't that interesting? If you're all about money, you will never have enough. This is a guy who had everything he wanted, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is vanity. So part of the problem here is that human beings naturally not only have aspirations, but they feel a void. And there's this mirage that Satan creates that material things will fill that void, that emptiness that you have, or that need, that longing. And the mirage is bolstered by the fact that for a time they seem to almost fill that need don't they? Because we're all at Twitter with the new thing that we got, the new toy, the new fill-in-the-blank-for-yourself. I got this thing, new clothes or a new stove or whatever it is, and every time I see it, I'm kind of filled with joy, and then it kind of gets dirty, and I've worn it a few times, or I've shot it a few times, and yeah, it's it's nice, and I, I own it, but... Ooh. There's another gun, there's another wardrobe, I got another catalog. Ooh, that stove is self-cleaning, mine isn't. I got a new car, but now it's got a few dents and a few miles on it. Ooh, and now it bakes waffles on the console. My car doesn't do that. There's always going to be a shiny trinket just outside your reach. And it's like, ooh, ooh, i got to have that. And you get it. It's like, okay, now I'm there. No, you're not. Solomon says, I've been there, please. It's vanity, you never get there. Or how about this from our text, you've experienced this. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. Oh yeah, you've experienced that. Now, this picture is of a rich person who just has more and more people come into his household and eat at his table, so I'm making more and more, but you know what, it's gone. You've seen that in your life where you just seem to almost get there, that mythical get there, arrive, we are comfortable, and it just is gone. And you don't really realize how, what happened. I got to raise that work. So now we're finally going to be able to, what is this inflation stuff? And it's just gone. Oh, I have a rich uncle who left me some money, and my kid broke his leg, and now I need surgery to remove something, or my knee went out and the money's just gone. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? The profound message Solomon wants to convey to us is belied by its simplicity and brevity. Behold what I have seen to be good and fitting, and here you should be sitting there waiting. I want to hear this. This is going to be good. This is a guy with godly wisdom, unparalleled in human history, and he's been there and done that, and he's seen it all, know it all. This is the key to life. What I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. The world stares with mouth agape. That's it? That's the secret of life? I want achievement. I want a goal that I attain, and then I want happily ever after. And you're saying, be happy with the simple things in life? Food, drink, find contentment in your work, and that's it. As Christians, you and I get it. We lose sight, but we get it. No life can be full, and fulfillment can only be found, that void only filled by Christ Jesus. Faith and forgiveness in Jesus Christ to recognize that the, the mirages, the vapors, the temptations, the desires of this world will never be met. And they're all intended by Satan to lead us away from that one thing needful. But then that balancing act that our text does so well, read it again for yourselves this week. But Solomon strikes that balance. When you get good things from God, it's not wrong to enjoy them. And then we're such weird creatures. We're like, okay, it's not wrong to be like the world. That's not what he said. Contentment is the key, isn't it? Contentment. If God gives you a lot, contentment will let you enjoy that. If God gives you little, contentment will allow you the joy of life that God wants you to have. But nothing can replace Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing can give you that peace and comfort, that fulfillment of knowing that this life is temporary and I would have nothing to look forward to in this life but misery and eternal destruction in hell had it not been for what my Savior Jesus did for me. I can have, I could have no contentment, no joy, only dread and apprehension if not for Jesus Christ. It's what's missing, it's the hole in the soul of the world because they can't come to terms with this life isn't it. They can't accept the fact that the one thing we need to gain from this life, the one thing is to be brought to faith in Jesus our Savior because we can then lack nothing if we have that one thing needful. Do not let the world try to convince you otherwise. Amen.